0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to Cross Church. If you're visiting, my name is Pastor Alan Duncalf. I'm the pastor of the church, and I will be back with you next week. But this morning, Pastor Andrew Thunder will be speaking about pursuing God with all your heart. Andrew and his wife, Heather, they've attended Cross Church since 2011. They've become dear and precious friends to us and especially to this church. In 2010, Andrew served as the Associate Pastor at Calvary Church in Kenora, Ontario. Then he was given the opportunity to work for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And in 2011, Andrew served as the Assistant Director of Aboriginal Missions for the PAOC. After that, uh, 2013 to 2015, Andrew served Cross Church with distinction as Executive Pastor and service production director. Again, so thankful for the standard that Andrew set. He really did get our department going. Now, currently Andrew is guest speaking at various churches and conferences and volunteers with Cross Church Media. His education includes a Bachelor of Arts in Theology from Horizon College and Seminary. And he has an MBA from the Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. Currently, Andrew works as a Policy Analyst and a Director of Communications at the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs. Now, let me add one more thing. We begin a small group series next week and we will be studying the Book of Habakkuk. It's only three chapters and I'd like to invite you to take the time to read Habakkuk this week. It's only three chapters, but man, they're powerful and profound. This is a series about faith, and I can assure you that it's a message on faith that you've never heard before. So we'll see you next week, God bless.
1: Well, good morning again, Cross Church. Hi. So um, today is uh, another day in January and there's something that I really like about January. That's when we usually start to uh, make some resolutions, make some big changes in our life. Um, so we're gonna be continuing on this, this series of moving forward, but before we do that, before we get into any of this, I wanted to provide a quick update on the Max Thunder uh, Memorial hampers. Um, for those of you who remember, in December, we ran a fundraising campaign in order to uh, uh, raise funds to send some food up north during the holiday season. So we have a video that's been prepared, and so we, we're gonna go ahead and play that video. That's 32 hampers that we sent up north. As you remember, the goal was 30. So why don't you give yourselves a hand? We, we achieved our, our goal. It's really exciting to be able to, to partner together and, and fulfill this work. So, uh, for those of you who don't, um, don't know uh, my dad, Max Thunder, he's the person on the, the left, farthest left there. Um, he began this, uh, this initiative back in 2013. And his vision was to help support some of the families in First Nations communities that were really struggling Uh, financially, um, especially uh, during the holiday season. And so it was his vision to put together food hampers to send uh, to as many families as he could um, during Christmas. And ever since 2013, Cross Church has come alongside of of my dad and his vision. And even after my dad passed away in 2015, this legacy, his legacy continues and we continue to get uh, a great deal of support. So I just want to once again say thank you so much for everyone who has come come alongside of us and helped to support uh, this great initiative. So once again, give yourselves a, a round of applause. um that was a, a very generous introduction uh, from Pastor Allen and um, I have to say that for for Pastor Allen um, he is definitely uh, one of one of the people that uh, I admire uh, most in terms of of his leadership and um, his ability to to run an organization and to lead it really well I learned a great deal from him and as he leads, his ability to stay focused on, on the goals and the strategies and, and having this professional conduct, it's very unique um, in, in Pastor Allen. He has this unwavering commitment to serve God, to serve the church, and invest in the next generation. So I had an opportunity to work with uh, many leaders, like in ministry, in business, in politics. Um, but I, I can say that none none compare with uh, the leadership of, of Pastor Allen, and um, I just have to say that we are blessed to have uh, Pastor Allen as as our pastor. Can someone say Amen? Amen. Yeah. Go ahead. Give him a hand. He can't hear you, but give him a hand. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, We are, as I mentioned before, we are continuing on our series today. This is the the last part of the Moving Forward series. Um, I really love January because it's a time where we really take a, a good look at our lives and look at some of the changes that have to be made. And some of us, we make, what do you call, resolutions. We resolutely determine to make a change in our life. And so um, here's, a, I found a couple of these memes on the internet of, of a few people that were trying to, or attempting to, make some resolutions. So here's a nice meme here, when you're, when you're on a diet, and then someone brings a box of donuts. You walk into the office, that's the first thing that you see. And then your leaf or whatever you have going on for your diet, it just kind of falls, falls out of your mouth. And I got this uh, a text message from my uncle just a few days ago. It says, he, uh, it's six months since I joined the gym and no progress. I'm going, I'm actually going to go in, in person tomorrow to find out what's really going on in there. <laughs> and this one's good. Uh, I installed a fitness app on my smartphone. So I guess you can say things are getting pretty serious. That's Kip. Okay so this is me talking to me, me, I just finished my workout, time to eat something really healthy and then me, like the evil side of me says, eat a whole pizza, you've earned it. <laughs> Some of us, we, uh, we struggle a little bit with uh, with resolutions. Um, interesting thing is, it's, um, it's something that a large majority of us actually do. Uh, so s- the statistics brain uh, research institute says 62% of people end up making resolutions of some kind in January. So that's that's pretty significant when you really think of it. 62% of the population actually stop and think about how, how can I make my life better? How can I make some positive changes going forward? There isn't really another time in in, uh, throughout the year that we really stop and make some of these uh, uh, new, these observations, these deep, um, this deep analysis of, of where we're at currently. So for me it's, it, it's really interesting the fact that we, we collectively uh, all kind of embrace this time as a, as a time for us to really look inwardly at where we're at, where we're standing in various aspects of our, li- of our lives. So today we're continuing this, uh, moving forward, uh, Pursuing God in 2020. And this series is all about leaving what is behind and embracing what God has ahead for 2020, this, this, this year. So we heard from Taryn a few weeks ago, and uh, she really eloquently explained how God is offering us a brand new start. It's a fresh start. It's a, it's a clean slate. Um, in the new year. And that's, and that's true. And she also mentioned that the reality is, is that with God, we can always start fresh. It doesn't have to be on January 1st. It can be any day of the year. We can start fresh and his grace is new every morning. And then we heard from Chris last week. Pastor Chris said, Um, He was speaking on submitting to the Father and embracing the discipline that God has for our life, because that's what allows us to grow as Christians. And then this week, it's titled, Pursuing God's Agenda. So today we're really looking at, what what is God's agenda for our life? Um, you know, we're, we try to pursue all sorts of different goals and objectives and things that we want to do. But the question is, what is it that God wants to do in my life for this year? And so that's what we're, we're going to be looking at. So the top ten, looking at resolutions, okay, New Year's res- resolutions. Top ten resolutions are to lose weight, get organized... Spend less, save more, enjoy life to the fullest, stay fit and healthy, learn something exciting, quit smoking, help others in their dreams, fall in love, spend more time with family. So these are all, all really good, good goals, uh, good, good resolutions. But according to the findings of the University of uh, Scranton, and published in the Journal of Clinical Psychology, only 8% are successful in achieving their resolutions. Hmm. So once again, 62% of us go and and, and pursue a resolution of some kind, but only 8% end up being successful at the end of the year. And then we look at different age groups, 39% in their 20s achieve their resolution each year, while only about 14 over the age of 50 achieve the resolution each year. So what happens? What happens as we continue on with our life, as we mature, as we, as we um, have more life experience? What tends to happen is more stuff happens. We have more responsibility over the years. Uh, We gain uh, more obligations. Um, We have to make more decisions. And uh, and this is what happens throughout the duration of of our life. And so what tends to happen is as we gain more life experience, we end up worrying more. And we end up having more anxiety in our life. Because if you think of it, There's just a whole lot more sources of anxiety as we we move forward. Clinical psychologist Dr. Alice Boyes says, Achieving your goals is tough enough as it is. But if you suffer from worrying, it becomes even more difficult. People who worry tend to be high in behavioral inhibition. They're highly sensitive to negative responses or to something positive being taken away. So what it's saying is that um, we can have some extremely uh, prestigious and and well-meaning goals and objectives, but the reality is is that most of us we tend to worry with our within our lives and we have some sort of different different levels of anxiety. And so this actually tends to cause us to to not be able to achieve our goals um, as effectively. So as we look at, at this new year that we've, we've just started, we're looking for God's guidance. And we're asking, how can I stop worrying and embrace a fulfilling life? Embrace the life that God wants me to live. And so that's really what we're, we're looking at right now. Uh, setting aside all the all the distractions and focusing on the thing that god wants us to do but specifically how do we stop worrying about all these these small things that distract us and come into our and come our way but here's what jesus says in matthew 6, 31 to 33 it says this he says uh, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't try to just just focus on, on getting all of your needs met. Focus on God, his righteousness, his purpose for your life. And when you do that... Everything else in your life, all the details are going to be taken care of. That's the message of what Jesus, what Jesus is saying here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be taken care of. The reality is though, is that this is kind of easier said than done. And worry tends to be a great temptation that we all have. And here's this, uh, this quote from Irma Bom- Bombeck. She says, worry gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. And it's true. Many of us, we, we worry about small details in our life, and it could range from, uh, from things of low importance to high importance. Um, and we we worry about details within our, our job, our career. We also worry about things in, in our family and, and, and things related to our finances and our health. And what it can do is it could cause you to kind of run in a whole bunch of different directions trying to trying to take care of these needs. But when you're simply worrying about it, it makes you essentially run in circles, and you're not actually getting anything anything done. And so this is, this is where it kind of takes us. This is uh, kind of a snapshot of kind of where, where our life is, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, right? We, there's so many different directions that we can choose, so many different goals that we could try to achieve. But what is, what is the, the purpose? What is the, the reason why we're going in a certain direction? And what is that one direction that God wants us to go? So instead of looking at those uh, small goals that we ourselves achieve, I want us to just zoom out a little bit and look at what is the, what is the grand plan for your life? What is that plan that God has for you? What is the purpose? The, why it has God put you on this earth? So we see here, this is a, a great example of... Um, for businesses, we tend to look at our purpose, and then we go down to our objectives, and then we look at our, our tactics, the specific things of how we're going to achieve our objectives and goals. Um, in our personal lives, though, what tends to happen is when, when January comes around, we spend a whole lot of time looking at our, our objectives. We look at a little bit of our objectives and our tactics, but we don't spend a whole lot of time up here with our purpose. And that's, that's extremely problematic. There's, there's, there's a large amount of issues with that for Christians trying to live the Christian life. Because everything that we do should be tied to our purpose. And the reality is, is that when you do not determine your purpose, when you don't know why you're here, why you live on this earth, then you're always going to have a small amount of worry and stress in the back of your mind. It's almost like a, a, a tap that's slowly dripping behind you because you know that that purpose, that reason for existing hasn't been solved. And it causes you that, that, that background anxiety that affects everything in your life. What God wants to do is he wants you to know Exactly what your purpose is. Why you're here on this earth. And then everything else kind of flows together. Your dreams, your goals, your objectives. Everything falls into place when you know your purpose. We look here at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus um, has a a large crowd that kind of just gathers... To where he is. And he was sitting on this this mountain, this mountain uh, which currently is in Israel, and right now there's a church that's built on on that place to commemorate uh, this sermon. It was built uh, 1,600, uh, it's been built for, um, existed for 1,600 years. And they actually called the mount, uh, the mountain, Uh, they named it after uh, the Beatitudes. So it's called the Mount of Beatitudes. So it's uh, the location of where this is, it's at the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is uh, has a very gentle slope, and it's like a, a natural amphitheater. So you could just picture these crowds kind of gathering to where Jesus is, and it's almost like, I mean, it's before the sound systems were created and PA systems, and it's almost like Jesus was just handed the mic and it was just a perfect spot for uh, for a sermon. And so Jesus actually took great advantage of that and ended up for the next uh, three chapters, a few chapters, he ended up uh, preaching this Sermon on the Mount that you could you could read through in Matthew. And the sermon that he preaches is, is very interesting because what he's doing is he's introducing new concepts of the kingdom of God, right? So... For many of us, I've, I've mentioned before in previous weeks that a lot of people in Jesus' time were really looking forward to a new kingdom. They were looking for a new king that was going to free them from the oppression of the Romans and also to rebuild cities and kind of bring them back to the promised land. So that's what everyone was expecting, and very few of them understood that this new kingdom that Jesus was speaking about was actually going to occur in the life of every believer. You can embrace the kingdom of God, is what Jesus is saying uh, on this Sermon of the Mount. You can embrace the kingdom of God, not just in the physical realm, but in the, in the spiritual realm. The question is, is Jesus Lord of your life? And if he is then you are embracing the kingdom of God. And so within this, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, he goes through the uh, Beatitudes, and this is, this is a list of, the list of Beatitudes essentially answers the questions, what can I do to be happy? What can I do to have joy on this earth? We ask that question now, 2,000 years ago, people asked that question then, It's a popular question because everyone wants to know what does it take to be happy, to be fulfilled in this life? And here's how Jesus begins his sermon. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and you can imagine when jesus was preaching this when he was when he was uh, teaching this this was the first time anyone had heard anything like this this was groundbreaking theology for the, for the people who were listening. And he was revealing something brand new, something about the kingdom. But the question is, how do you, how do you actually live this out in practical terms? So Jesus goes on to explain from the Beatitudes, he, he, he unravels various other concepts related to our everyday life, on how to embrace this kingdom, how to be happy, how to be fulfilled in this life. So halfway through the sermon that he was speaking, he starts talking about money and possessions and not worrying. And the Lord knows for many of us our money and our our possessions. How many people know that Sometimes our our money and our possessions actually own us. You know, we we have so much stuff, and and, um, you could see that especially maybe after Christmas where maybe you've accumulated a lot more things than you actually need. We have so much stuff... That some of us, we, we um, have storage units, we have rooms filled with stuff that we don't use. Uh, we have maybe basements that, that are f- packed with things that we, we, we don't really need on a regular basis. Uh, some of us have storage units that, that are rented just to store stuff, right? And so all of these possessions that we have, they don't bring us happiness, they don't bring us fulfillment, but we have, for many of us, we have that pursuit of, of, of owning things as a way to get happiness. And how many people know that things, possessions, don't bring you happiness? Now, interesting thing, I was, uh, I was listening on um, something that uh, Warren Buffett had said. Does anyone know who Warren Buffett is? He's a, he's a billionaire, and he gained most of his wealth just from investing, right, in the stock market. And someone asked him one time, Kate, what does it mean to be successful, and are you currently successful? And the billionaire Warren Buffett, he says, well, you know, really interesting response. He says, well, you know, um, if you're finished your life, you're nearing the end, and you could say that there's people in your life that love you, then I would say that you're, you're successful. Interesting. Interesting. So, so from, from a, a man that dedicated his entire life to gaining wealth, you know, and, and, and he went through that whole journey of accumulating so much that he's become uh, one of the top 10 billionaires in the world. And he's saying that wealth isn't everything. That's a reminder to each and every one of us wealth does not equal happiness. And Jesus, Jesus uh, revealed it right here on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Look at the, look at the birds of the air. Look, so Jesus just points to nature and says, look Look how God takes care of the things of nature. Don't you think that God cares about your needs, about the things that are important for your life. God knows exactly what we need. And if we pursue him, if we pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, he will give us what we need. Here's something interesting, okay, whenever, whenever someone mentions that you shouldn't worry about money, there's this strange application that I see with uh, a, lot of, un, a lot of believers trying to apply the verse. And what they think is that care equals worry. And worry equals care. So when they, they think in their minds that, if okay, if Jesus tells me not to worry about money, that means I shouldn't really care about it. Does anyone know that, can anyone see that there's a pretty big issue with that? Okay, the, the issue is that God actually entrusts us with certain resources on this earth to be stewards. And what does it mean to be a steward? It means that we are to care for the things that God has entrusted to us, right? And so God has given us wealth. He's given us relationships. He's given us health. And we are meant to be stewards, to be good caretakers, to care for the things that God has entrusted for us. And so I have a problem when someone says that you shouldn't, you shouldn't plan, you shouldn't create a structure, you shouldn't create uh, some sort of a, um, some sort of a framework for your finances, for your health. When I, when I hear people say that, they are, they are mistaken. The reality is, is that Jesus is saying, don't worry about it, which means do everything in your power to care for the things that God has has put in your life, for your family, for your resources, for your finances, and then take a step back and allow God to do the rest. You're not meant to solve all the problems in your life, but you are meant to care about those problems. Take care of the things in your life and then step back and let God do the rest. I heard one person say, do your best let God do the rest remember that turn to your neighbor and say do your best and let God do the rest I said turn to your neighbor you're not turning to your neighbor say it do your best and let God do the rest so I want you to care very much about the things in your life and God wants you to care but don't worry don't allow it to consume your thoughts and your mind to the point where it's causing uh, thing, things in your life to suffer. Don't worry. Be happy. How do we live a worry-free life? The question is, is it even possible to live a worry-free life? And the answer is, yes, it is possible. You know, when um, when I was um, in my MBA program pursuing education, um, in pursuing my education in business, um, it was about 2015, and it was just after my son, Micah, was born. And so, at the time, I didn't have any other employment, I was just solely focused on my education. So I had uh, my wife and my newly born child to take care of. And I also had a mortgage to make payments on at the same time. And I was getting, I wouldn't say worried, but I looked to God and I said, okay, we got we to figure this out. I, I either have to make some changes or I need to withdraw from this. And uh, it became very clear that God wanted me to stay my course and that he was going to provide for my needs. And so as I was praying to God about this, as I was bringing it forward, um, God told me also, don't stop giving. So I kept tithing to the church. You know, even though there wasn't a whole lot coming in, kept tithing to the church. And uh, we had two sponsor kids at the same time. And it was very clear. God said, "Keep, keep giving to those sponsorship kids in Africa." Two weeks later, just a few weeks later, I got a letter in the mail saying that I was granted a bursary to take care of. It, it was worth thousands of dollars, and it was going to take care carry me all the way through uh, the rest of my education. So that is how God provides. When we say that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we we actually mean that God owns everything. There is no shortage with God. There is no resource that is lacking with him. If we do what he tells us to do, he'll make sure that your every need is met. If you care, take care to follow his direction, to follow his guidance, to become the person that God wants you to be, and to go in the direction that he wants you to go, he will not fail you. He will not let your needs become unmet. God is very clear in his message that when we pursue him, we seek God with all our hearts Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All else will be added unto you. Can someone say amen? Amen. 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 Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It means with the kingdom, it means that he is king in your life. He is the one that is number one. He is your priority. He is the one that you're looking to for direction, for guidance. And then there's this other word called righteousness, that's the action word. Not only is he our Lord, but now we, can, we have to actually live in righteousness, live by faith, do the, actually do the things that he wants us to do. And all things will be added unto you. There's a lot of tests that we could take in our life to try to figure out where we're at. If we're in the hospital, they may conduct some, some health tests, check out our heartbeat, uh, check out our blood pressure. If we're at school, we might take um, certain tests in order to figure out how we're doing intellectually with our education. And then, but what about with the kingdom of God? A quick way, an easy way for you to determine how you're doing with your kingdom walk is to ask yourself, are you worrying right now? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Or have you given it up to God? Have you laid down your worries at the cross? And are you following him with all of your strength? You see, when we're we're talking about aligning ourselves with the will of God, Jesus also made it very clear on specific things that he wants us to do. And one of those things he outlined at the end of his ministry, he said we're supposed to make disciples of all nations. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, is what Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is Direction that Jesus gave to his disciples, it's direction that he gives to each and every one of us. So when we're making resolutions, when we're making decisions on our goals and the things that we need to focus on, we need to take a step back and look at our purpose. And our purpose is clearly outlined in Scripture that the kingdom of God comes number one, his righteousness comes number one, and one of the outcomes is right here. We're supposed to be making disciples spreading the gospel. Are you doing that today? And this could happen in many forms. It could be the influence that you have with your family, with your friends, with your co-workers. Are you making a difference in the kingdom of God by sharing the good news of the gospel through your words, through your life, through your actions? I'm uh, happy to announce that uh, this year Cross Church has a northern missions trip uh, happening in 2020, this summer, from July uh, 25th to August 3rd. We are taking a group to Red Sucker Lake, Manitoba, and this is one of the destinations of where we sent some of the hampers uh, up north, and it's also a a destination where uh, we have a relationship with, or uh, we have a relationship with the local pastor there. So in conversations with him, he was saying that it would be fantastic if uh, there was a a group from here that can go and help support his outreach ministries, his outreach ministry at his church. So that's exactly what we're going to do this summer. We're going to help him, and perhaps with helping with uh, infrastructure development, but also helping him to run some, uh, some um, ministry camps for kids and teens, um, as well as uh, helping him with some of the, the ministry services that he's conducting um, during this time. And so it's a great opportunity. Um, there is a limited amount of, of, uh, of space that's available, um, but you can register here at crosschurch.life if you're interested, if you feel that this is where God is calling you to go. And if you're not meant to go there in person, maybe God is calling you to, to help financially, help to fund this, um, to make this happen. There's huge needs in First Nations and Northern communities that are very different, that are very unique, related to the economy, related to their uh, health, related to their uh, their, their income. And that that translates to some social issues as well. We're going there to spread the gospel to people who need to hear it. And um, my invitation is is for you to consider this as something either to take part in or to support. So today, uh, in conclusion, I just wanted to encourage each and every one of us As we're looking at our goals for for where we're going, what we're doing, the plans that we have for our lives, we can never neglect the purpose of why we are here, why God put us here. And each and every one of you, you, you have a specific objective, a specific plan that God has ordained since the beginning of time. We're meant to tap into that. And we are meant to do those things that God has called us to do. And one of the major things that he's called us to do is have a good, vibrant relationship with him. We talk about the seven habits of serious Christ followers. If you're a serious Christ follower, you should be doing the habits that improve your relationship with God, with the church, and with, with other believers. You are meant to do these things because it is your purpose. It's why you exist. So today, um, my prayer to you is that uh, my prayer to God is that you would uh, embrace this, and that you would allow uh, this abundant life to be evident in your life by pursuing His purpose, His vision, His goals for your life. So let's all stand together as as we pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for. Your goodness in our lives. And we thank you, Father, that uh, your ways are so far above ours. We look to you, Lord, for guidance in this moment to help direct us, help move us in the way that we need to go. I pray, Lord God, that you would search deep within our hearts and reveal to us what needs to change, what needs to stay, and what needs to go. I pray, Lord God, that you would allow us just to embrace that plan that you have ordained since the beginning of time and allow us to move forward in 2020 with your presence, with your goodness by our side. We say thank you, God, for being with us and for all the work that you do through us. And we pray all this in your name. Amen and amen.